0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avit Khan, and I talk about how you can start, run and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called how to do maximum customer support with minimum effort. Let's get going. When you're running a bootstrap business, you have to do everything. Building the product, dealing with financials, marketing your solution. All of these things. And then there's customer service. People are reaching out with questions. Sometimes they're frustrated because they have a deadline. Sometimes they just want to chat. In any case, it will eat up your time if you don't find a way of dealing with your customers. Luckily, there are tools and methods to deal with this, even at scale. At Feedback Panda, I was responsible for supporting over 5,000 customers at one point, And I still had time. To develop software i will share the systems we set up to get our customers the most value while spending as little time as possible and i'll also talk about pricing pitfalls privacy considerations which tools are worth it and why so let's talk about the ex- expectations of being real time it's not emails Tickets anymore, right? In the past, used to be the reality for customers of most businesses to send a plea for help. And maybe within a day or two, somebody would tell them that they're working on it. A few days or weeks later, someone would resolve the issue and or tell them that it was not considered to even be a problem. Customer service today is completely different. Solving problems has become a real-time activity as customers expect to receive immediate solutions to their problems. They expect there to be a conversation. Whenever they want to initiate one, even in enterprise B2B SaaS, where email still reigns supreme, people expect immediacy more and more. There is a book called Customer Success by Mitha, Steinman and Murphy. And they say customers expect you to make them wildly successful. Every single one of them. That can be... Insurmountable resource problem for Bootstrap Founder. You don't have time to talk to your customers all day, every day to make them wildly successful. The good news is that there's a crucial distinction. Customers may expect help immediately, but that does not mean they want to talk to a human. They just want to have their problem solved. And we humans, we like our agency. If your customers can solve the problem themselves, and learn how to do it in the future, they will be happier than if somebody does the job while they have to wait. Customers also don't like to be told that they didn't understand the product. So allow them to learn from a variety of materials. Some people like to read, some wanna watch videos, some just wanna listen to somebody explain it. All of these methods allow for automation and self-serve solutions. Only in rare cases do you need to actually engage the customer in a conversation. If they fail to solve their problem from the self-serve solution, you can still go back to the old, we'll get back to you as soon as we can, or turn the conversation into real-time operator-based chat. At Panda, we used the service intercom for all of our customer service needs. They allow for three primary modes of customer service, synchronous, asynchronous, and self-help. Tools like Intercom have great integrations into many parts of the tech stack. And you can leverage that to be both reactive to incoming questions and proactive when you need to reach out to the customer before they even know that there's a problem. You can integrate these tools into your front-end, back-end of the SaaS application you're running. And there are even options for native and hybrid app on mobile devices and tablets. All these communication paths end up in the Intercom platform, so you can help people wherever they are. And by the way, I am not affiliated with Intercom. We just had really good experience using them at Feedback Panda and it's the system we use. So I'm explaining it through that perspective. Here's how we set it up for our customer support systems. Let's talk about synchronous customer support first real-time communication with customers is beautiful being able to help them right when they need help allows your customer service agent which is likely going to be you to be empathetic to the pain that the customer feels and give them a sense of importance like a real person is here to help just you for people who are not confident in their ability to solve their problems this is an enormous relief We use the Intercom chat widgets in all of our products where our customers can log in. It is integrated into our landing page, the main application, and our mobile apps, too. We initialize the widget with information about the customer, so we can immediately see to who we are talking. When you have some unique identifier, you can also... Use the Intercom add-on system to create deep links directly into your admin interface or link up their Stripe accounts directly into the Intercom platform. That makes it very easy for the person helping the customer to get to the places from which you can actually help quickly. This kind of chat makes the customer service experience personal, both for the customer and for the agent. If you're in the early stages of your business, you as a founder will be the person dealing with customer support. This channel gives you direct and unfiltered access to your customers and their issues. You can extract insane amounts of data from just a single conversation by asking your struggling customers about their goals and about their motivations as well. Then you use that information to fix the issues they're having. And we've done this multiple times. There is no greater joy than seeing customers' reactions to a new feature, a fix that was released within half an hour of them having an actual problem. People don't expect to have any impact on the tools they use. And when you surprise them, you can be sure they will tell their peers about it. Let's talk about the asynchronous customer support. The great thing about having a real-time chat widget is that it can also serve as a delayed messaging system. You can reach out to your customers just as much as they can start a conversation with you. Used correctly, this can be an incredibly useful source of building trust and helping the customer. Used excessively, it turns into spam and a source of annoyance. People are usually okay with marketing emails, but having a message pop up while they're working inside your application will always be a disruption. It should be rare and meaningful to their lives every single time. Having Intercom integrated into your backend system, we would use their messaging API to send transactional messages to our customers. Only urgent messages would be in-app notifications. The rest of them would go through their email. For critical messages, such as account terminations, we would send them both as an in-app and an email message just to make sure they actually receive it. If your customer does not react to an in-app notification, you can always send them an email later. You can automate that too. Some customers may take a vacation from the job or be too busy to check your application. So for things that threaten their ability to use their accounts, I always recommend reaching out both using both methods. We also use intercom for marketing and onboarding emails at Feedback Panda. Doing this plays well with having all your customers on the platform already. The onboarding campaign, in particular, can be used to measure conversion rates and engagement profiles. And for newsletters and product announcements, the email system will allow your customers to respond immediately to a to a newsletter, which is really nice because it will show up as a customer service conversation with all the added customer data, like their account ID and their Payment plan and how long they've been with you, just there, right there to help you and help them. So let's talk about the third thing after synchronous and asynchronous communication self help customer support. One of the most time saving tools we've ever used at Feedback Panda was the intercom knowledge base feature. Most customers would reach out to us with very similar questions, and Feedback Panda is a tool that does one job really well. So for most problems, there's an optimal way to solve them. After communicating that solution to the customer, we would then turn the, um, the customer service conversation we had into a knowledge-based article immediately. Whenever a future customer would ask the same question or search for the keywords in it, they would get presented with the article from which they could then solve their problem themselves. We did this for a few hundred questions whenever customers would first ask about a topic. So we ended up with almost answers to almost all questions that people would routinely ask. The number of tickets that required human intervention plummeted and left us the breathing room to run and grow the business. Video and screenshots are always a good idea when creating knowledge-based content. Some people are great readers, but others are very visual or they need a narrative to understand the solution. We try to provide both versions in the same article, and it has been quite well received, particularly for the articles that receive a lot of traffic on common problems. It's extremely helpful to have multiple ways of explaining content and explaining steps. It's nice to show them, it's nice to tell them, and it's nice to explain it. Another intercom feature that we use to help customers help themselves was AnswerBot, which is a machine learning based feature that allows you to have Intercom automatically respond with pre-written answers to specific questions. You use this for critical stuff like, I forgot my login credentials, how do I log in? Or how do I update my credit card so I can get back into my account? AnswerBot would pick up these questions and reply with a clear step-by-step solution, sometimes even the video, and we would link deep into our product from there to the very screen that they would need to visit to deal with this kind of stuff. Being able to help people immediately and automatically allowed us to sleep soundly at night because in the end, we had a couple thousand customers, but we were still just two people living in the same time zone. So when we slept, nobody would man the intercom. Nobody could respond to customer service questions. So having something that would pick up the most critical questions that needed just-in-time resolution and having people being guided through these steps by the system was extremely helpful. And it really, really made a difference. These people were happy that we responded. We picked up the conversation the next morning, obviously, and asked them if everything worked. And the likelihood of of them having actually solved their problem was like way over 90%. Like only in the rarest cases did people not solve their problem when using AnswerPod and this kind of automated response to very specific questions. It was extremely helpful. So let's talk about a few more things to consider. Because with all these wonderful integrations, we still have to be aware of a few things. This is not email. It's not between you and your customers, With Intercom, there's another company in the mix, and the data, your data, rests on their servers. That makes it a data protection and privacy concern. Intercom is compliant with regulation and likely has a larger security and privacy team than your business will ever have employees. But this is more a question of being aware of what kind of information is absolutely required for your customer service agents to do their work efficiently it's perfectly fine to give intercom some sort of unique customer id so you can create links to your admin interface still you shouldn't share social security numbers or any other personally identifiable information you have on your customers with any service price is always a concern for the bootstrap entrepreneur as well depending on how customer service SaaS tools scale their pricing you can be perfectly fine or find or be way in over your head it really depends Most subscription-based SaaS businesses will be fine with Ethereum as they scale pricing on how many active users you have. If most of your users are paying customers, that will be all right. But if you offer a freemium plan, you will get into trouble if you cannot offset the cost of your non-paying users with the revenue generated from your paying customers. If you're already struggling to make money with a freemium product, Using intercom or services that scale with active users will hurt your finances even more. The proliferation of ad blockers caught some customer service tools by surprise as well. Depending on how spammy they were perceived, some chat widgets made it onto the blacklist used by ad blockers. Having a whole customer service built on a system that some people might not be able to see when using ad blockers is a business risk for you. Customer service tools will likely do their best to stay off those lists, but it could still lead to availability problems from time to time. As a consequence of the fact that your customer service data is hosted on a third-party platform, which could be impacted by availability problems at any time, I heavily recommend investing time and effort into setting up backups and the migration path. Have the critical information about how you can reach your customers, such as their email address, saved in your account database as well make regular backups of the data that is held in your customer service system and understand how to access it, there will be a day when you need to migrate from one system to another. It might happen either for business reasons or because of new regulations and having a reliable backup strategy and the means to move the customer service integrations to another provider will help you to be compliant and avoid being locked in. Even with all kinds of automation, customer service can easily take over your day-to-day operations and cause anxiety i wrote an article about scaling your SaaS without scaling your anxiety which includes a number of strategies on how to deal with growing customer needs i recommend you read this or eventually when i turn it into a podcast episode just listen to that so let's talk about the ultimate goal of customer support finally be aware of why you put all these systems in place You want to help your customers reach their goals. Focus your energy and ingenuity on building an enormous treasure trove of information so they can solve their problems themselves. And jump in when you need it. Make it a human, relatable experience for your customers. Because excellent customer support is rare. When people encounter a great experience with a customer support agent, they will talk about it. And it's a great way to build your reputation as a brand that cares And I bet you care. So that's the article. We had a really, really interesting thing happen to us at Feedback Panda over the course of the business. Because it started out, obviously, with just a couple customers. And there was a lot of communication. Probably the beginning, maybe 10 to 15 conversations every single day. Kind of slowed down to 10-ish conversations every single day and then the weirdest thing it stayed that way for two years even though initially we had 20 30 customers and we added 20 30 customers every single day but by having a system in place from the beginning to turn our customer service conversations into knowledge-based articles mostly that we always only had on average 10 to 15 conversations coming in every single day. Because most of those things would be automatically solved. There would be a conversation, it would be open um, on Intercom, but not yet deliver a notification to me as the customer service agent or to Danielle, who would also do it with me. And then that system would automatically suggest some sort of article to the customer that might solve their problem. And in most cases, it did. So it didn't matter if we had 10 customers or 100 or 1,000 or a couple thousand customers at scale, the knowledge base that we had and that we would feed with new articles whenever there was another question that we hadn't yet answered before would take over and automatically respond to these people or people would be able to help themselves. And the communities also, right, the the Facebook groups and the other communities, they would help people with links to articles, they would help people with links into the knowledge base if they asked a question on Facebook, or they might explain it. Some even went through the trouble of recording a YouTube video showing themselves solving this problem and then linking it to other customers of ours without ever having to go through our customer service system. That would be our own customers helping other customers. It's just really nice to have teachers as your customer base, I guess, because they just love teaching. They love sharing knowledge and information. And it it really made a difference because it allowed us to stay a business that was essentially two people for two years no matter how many thousands of customers we had because all this kind of communication was scalable. All of a sudden, all this kind of communication didn't take up a whole day. It just took up a couple minutes every now and then was still somewhat disruptive. And in retrospect, I feel I should still have hired somebody to take care of the customer communication that made it through the system, so I could take care of developing a product. But for most of the days, I could still work on the product without needing to spend all of my time looking for customer service communication um, or looking for conversations that were opening up that I needed to respond to. So that was really, really helpful to have all of these components in place. And it made it extremely easy to, to have them on the same platform and just have all kinds of information Aggregated. Because if you know exactly what your customer's version of your software the customer is running, or what operating system they're running on, or just how much data they actually have in your system, you can kind of guess what their skill level is and you can respond to that stuff immediately. So having all this information in the system instead of just having the name and the email really made customer service more efficient. So I know that people need to save money. And I know that many founders want to be scrappy. And I know that a service like this is an expense, but it may have been one of the most essential components of our business. Other than actually having servers to run the product on and a database to store the data in, I think Intercom in particular and a customer service tool in general would be the number three in what kinds of technologies you need for a bootstrap business because you can build a business without talking to your customers at all. But it's going to be complicated. You won't have feedback loops. You won't be able to validate things with your customers. You just won't have a trace of what happens. People won't be able to reach you. They'll just drop. They will quit. They will unsubscribe. They might yell at somebody on Facebook that you're not responsive to their needs. They will send you an email, they'll never get a response because you have no system to track these things. It's just a mess. And the flip side is, if you have a system like this in place, you are essentially capable of talking to every single of your customers at any time. And we used it because the important part is customer service is not just responding to tickets. Customer service is outreach as well. There was a couple of situations in Feedback Panda where we would actually talk to our customers before they knew there was a problem mostly centered around payment but also around just data inconsistencies and these kind of things so let's take the payment for example and being a german company selling to mostly north american teachers that had their banks in the united states most of the time often led to the problem that charges to their credit cards were being declined because the default policy for many smaller banks and credit unions was to decline international transactions unless they had been previously approved. So many of our customers would um, have their first charge declined or even consecutive charges to a card that we had already charged before. It was kind of crazy. So I guess if you ever build a business for the North American market in particular, try to get a North American bank account for the funds to land on, because otherwise you're going to have a 5 to 10% um, rate of um, what the industry calls a do not honor error code, which is a decline of a charge. And whenever that happened, the moment the webhook came in from Stripe, the moment our payment provider told us about it, we would craft a message. Handcraft, I guess, but eventually we turned this into an automated system and send that to the customer through intercom as a push. So it would appear the next time they would open the application, or it would appear if it was already open as a pop-up right in there, or if they didn't see it for a while, it would turn out to be an email that came to their email address that they registered with. Mm And in that message, we would tell them exactly what they need to do. If they just needed to update their credit card information once in our system, we would put a link in there. If they needed to call their bank, we would describe exactly what the bank teller would need to hear to be able to verify that uh, the charge is fine. So we would give... um, Location information about where our bank is, what the bank's name is, what the payment is likely to travel through, which countries um, it would would travel through on a way to Germany. All this kind of information we collected over the months and years that we ran the business and we sent it every single time somebody ran into this problem. And all of a sudden, people had less problems because they would be able to tell their bank. Some banks would say, okay, from now on, this charge is fine, and it would never be a problem again. Some banks would say, well, because of our policies, you will have to tell us every single month, which was super annoying for our customers, but it had two effects. First, it either caused them to set some sort of alarm the day before to tell their bank before the charge would go out, because we would always charge on the same day of the month. Or... They would actually upgrade to the yearly plan, which was a discounted version of the monthly plan, which allowed us to have more funds in the bank and would allow them to only have to deal with this once a year. And since we would send the message out seven days ahead of a renewal, they would know to call their bank in the week leading up to the charge. Effectively making this a 50 minute conversation once a year, which is not a problem for anybody. So it, this kind of outreach that we did was extremely effective at keeping retention high. Because we also used um, the Stripe feature of continually trying to charge the credit card if there is a problem. So by the first decline, we would send out the message then we would try to charge it again three days later. If it still didn't work, we would send out another message with more urgency and then try five days later. And that would be the second to last attempt. We would try again, send out another message if it didn't work. And if it didn't work for the fourth time, almost two weeks later, we would actually automatically cancel the subscription because we would assume that the people that don't take care of these kind of messages don't want to continue to use the product. So there would be voluntary churn in our books. And we could assume that after reading a message, people would just talk to their bank and they did. So involuntary churn was almost completely canceled out by this kind of retention system that we built, um, like retaining our customers and was highly effective because it would be essentially automated, right? Stripe always... Um, informs you if there's a decline, what error code came through the credit card network. And depending on the error code, um, which could range from the bank declined the payment to the card has been reported stolen or there's no funds on it, we could craft the message to send to our customers. Long story short, tell your customers if something is up on your end and you will have a really good opportunity to have them solve your problem for you just as much as when they reach out to you you can solve their problems and that's i guess how you do maximum customer support with minimum effort thank you very much for listening to the bootstrap founder podcast you can find me on twitter at avid a-r-v-i-d-k-a-h-l and you can check out the blog at the If you want to support me and the bootstrap founder podcast, please leave a rating and a review on Apple podcasts and wherever you subscribe to this podcast, it will help other founders or founders to be to find the podcast and learn more about sh- starting running and selling their bootstrap businesses. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye bye.